Hey man, well it's good to be in God's house tonight. It's good to be at Capital City Baptist Church. This is our home. You guys are our family and it's always good to be here. We have four meetings left and then May 10th we take off to go join uh, the Hofmeisters and start the first church there in Ambato. I was talking to Jonathan the other day and asked him about that car. I said, so uh, how's your car doing driving around? He's, well, my car has helped me develop a great relationship with my mechanic. And uh, it's an open door there. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for the support, uh, prayer support, financial support. Uh, we're, we're partners, and uh, we have a, a missions partnership. And uh, we are always thankful for our home church. Uh, this is our home, and thank you guys for the support. Uh, if you go with me tonight, we're going to see our pass- two t- passages to start. Ma- uh, Psalm chapter number 138, verse number 2. And then we will go to Job chapter number 23, verse number 12. So Psalm 138, and in verse number 2, and then Job chapter 23, verse 12. Let's stand in honor of reading God's word. It says here, we'll start in verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy what? Thy word above all thy name. Now, that's pretty serious. The Bible says that he has magnified his word above his name. We know that one day at the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But yet, he has elevated and magnified his word even above the name of Jesus. You know, we wouldn't even know about the name of Jesus if it weren't for his word. We wouldn't know who God is if it weren't for his word. So it says that he has magnified his word above his name. Above all thy name. Now go with me to Job chapter number 23. Job chapter number 23, verse number 12. Job says here, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than what? My necessary food. That doesn't say just food. It talks about his necessary food. Now, I don't know about you, but food is serious business. I love eating. Uh, I'm not a breakfast person, but I love brunch, and I love French toast and eggs, and uh, I love just about any kind of food as long as it's not Indian cuisine, um, but by about anything goes. I used to not like Tex-Mex, but we've eaten so much of it on Deputation. I love Tex-Mex now, and the Chinese buffets, and um, nah, not that year. <laughs> But the Bible says here that Job says, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary, what? Food. Now, traveling deputation, we try to find good restaurants and places that's cheap and decent. And one of those that we find most places is Raising Cane's. And when we find a Raising Cane, that takes priority when it's lunchtime. But you know, God's word ought to take more priority than anything else. And the key word Job says is, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. Let's pray. God, would you please speak to our hearts tonight? Pray, Holy Spirit would be at work. Would you challenge us? And 
Also give us a heart and mind to esteem your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. There was a missionary that went to China one time, and when he got to China, he was there with the believers, and a Chinese man came up to him one time and asked him, um, I have a question for you. Why is it that God loves Americans more than he loves Chinese? The missionary thought for a second, why? What makes you think that God loves Americans more than he loves Chinese? This man said, well, because I've heard that you Americans, and I may be wrong, but I've heard that you Americans can have as many Bibles as you want, but we can only have portions of one Bible and share it amongst the brethren in church. He said, I get to only have a couple chapters at a time every week, and we'll rotate them. So obviously God loves Americans more than he loves Chinese. Now how easy is it to take for granted sometimes that we hold God's perfect word. God's word is living. You know, how many times have we read God's word and then we find something new that we had never noticed before? That shows that God's word is alive. God's word is timeless. How come a, 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 a book that was written for the Jews thousands of years ago still is applicable today. And I believe when we get into the millennium that the Bible will still be applicable to those reading God's Word in the millennium. Why? Because it is a timeless book. A living Word. And uh, how often we take it for granted. You know, I've heard the testimonies of those that have gotten saved reading God's Word. Uh, there was a man that was a missionary. He was Middle Eastern, but he's a missionary in the Middle East. And he was telling his testimony of his father, how his father was a devout Sunni Muslim there in Iraq. He would read the Quran daily and study and memorize the portions of the Quran. And one day he got to a portion of the Quran where it talked about how Jesus one day is coming back and Muhammad didn't say anything about Muhammad coming back one day. And it talked about how Jesus was sinless and how Muhammad had sinned. And uh, he began wondering these things. Uh, how, how could it be that we put so much emphasis and say, peace be upon Muhammad, but we don't say peace be on Jesus when the Quran is talking about this Jesus prophet. So then he kept reading more in the Quran, and he got to a part where it said that Jesus told the, the Jews and the Arabs at that time, according to the Quran, that uh, if they were confused about what the Quran was saying, or what God's word or prophecy was saying, then to go to the Psalms, the Torah, and the Gospels. Uh, Muhammad said you, you could read the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels. Sorry, not Jesus. Muhammad said that in the Quran. And so he saw that and said, well, what's the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels? So he went to his imam in the mosque and said, so I, I want to learn more about the Quran and more about Allah. And Muhammad says that if I want to know more, then I can read the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels. What, what is that? Where can I find one? This man was in uh, the Iraq, and he said, oh, you have to go to Syria to find something called the Bible. And it's what a different religion uses, called Christians. And he said, okay. So he went to Syria and got a Bible. Began to read it, saw that he could have eternal life through Jesus Christ, got saved. Went to his imam said, guess what? I did what Muhammad said to do and I read the Gospels, Torah, and Psalms and I believed in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, God, eternal life. Immediately they started persecuting 
persecuting him. He got his family, fled to Germany, and made it to Detroit, started a church in Detroit. But the power of God's word. I mean, when a book led, it to, led him to God's word, he took God's word, began to read it. The Quran didn't lead him to eternal life. The Bible led him to eternal life. And you know, we hold a powerful book, but oftentimes we take it for granted. Now, go with me to 2 Chronicles. We're going to find our main passage in 2 Chronicles tonight, chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter number uh, 33. We'll start in 33, actually. Verse number 1. Message tonight is not alliterated, but all three points do rhyme. So for those that like to get the points down, they do rhyme at least. And, uh, but we see here in 2 Chronicles chapter number 33 and in verse number 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But did that which was what? Evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam and made groves, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he caused his children to pass through fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. How many of you guys think Judah is in a horrible state spiritually right now? Now, Historically, what's going on right now, Israel's already taken captive by Assyria. Israel has done wickedly their entire history. Now they are, since the kingdom split in two, now Assyria uh, has taken captive. You would think the kings of Judah would see what has happened to their neighbor and say, hey, we, we better straighten up because if God used Assyria to take them into captivity, then that could happen to us. Doesn't phase Manasseh's mind. He uses witchcraft. He takes his kids. I mean, at least our president's not taking his kids and sacrificing them. Uh, I mean, the atrocities going on at this moment. So verse 7. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made, in the house of who? He takes an idol. He carves it, puts it in God's house. Desecrates the holy place. So of which God had said to David and Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. You think God's happy about an idol being in his temple? So, verse 8, Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land from which I have appointed for your fathers. Verse 9, So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to what? Air. And to do worse than who? That's pretty bad. I mean, Israel, who, who's a chosen nation, Judah, who had a holy lineage. Judah was composed of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. Later on, the Levites that were in Israel went to Judah after Jeroboam started doing, setting up idols. They said, we're out of here. We're going to Judah now. We don't see the mention, but that's where the Levites are at. So technically, three of the tribes are here, and Manasseh, is leading Judah into sin. And they did worse than the heathen. Uh, we see the heathen doing a lot of horrible things, and that, what they do is wicked. 
In fact, the heathen, what they did was so wicked, the Malachites and the Canaanites, God said, take them off the face of this planet. The earth is vomiting up their sin. And now Judah is doing worse than they are. So, verse 10, And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not what? Hearken. They would not hearken. So, we see they're in an evil state. Now, they get taken into captivity. Manasseh prays, said, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry, I repent. Whatever his prayer is, he turns to God. So God, in his mercy, lets them free again. They go back to Judah. Now, verse number 16. So he's, he's starting to do right now. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed their own peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Okay, so they were wicked, then they were restored. Yes or no? Okay, they're being restored. What's the next verse say? Nevertheless, the people did sacrifices still where? In the high places. Yeah, and to the Lord their God only. You know what this is? Us oh, is church in the house they wanted to have church in. It says church on the lake on a boat where I want to have church. It's not where they were supposed to be serving God. They were serving God, but they were serving God where they wanted to serve God. No, we're not going back to the temple. We're going to the high places where we've been having church that we want to have church. So are they in a good shape or not? So they're still not quite there. So go with me, continue on. We're going to see... Verse number 21, Manasseh dies. His son takes over for only two years. Ammon was two and 20 years old. Verse 21, when he began to reign, and reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was what? Evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh's father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them. So they did evil. They did what they wanted to do. Still hadn't gotten right. Now... Josiah comes in. Josiah had been prophesied to be king that was going to be a good king. So how old was Josiah when he began to reign? You remember? Eight years old. How many of you guys would like a king or a president that is a kid? Eight years old. If the ballots were cast for someone who is 60 or eight years old, it doesn't matter, matter the political party. Most likely, we won't vote for a kid, right? A kid becomes king. So Josiah chapter 34, verse 1, was eight years old and began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in thirty years. And he did that which was what? Right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. So he begins to do that which is right. He starts to serve God. Uh, verse number 4 says he broke down the altars. Verse number 5, he burnt the bones of the priests. If you go to Second Kings, he literally went to the graveside and said, hey, it says that at night they spied out the cemetery, pulled out the bones of those that were wicked and burned them. That's pretty daring. <laughs> he was so much about wanting to do a try at a young age that he digging up bones of wicked people and burning them. Then we see in verse number 6, And so he did, so did he in the cities of Manasseh, and Ephraim and Simeon, and even into Naphtali, with their mattocks round about, verse 7, And when he had broken down the altars and groves, and had beaten the graven images into powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. So, are they finally getting some kind of revival? Wicked, halfway right, wicked again. Josiah comes in and says, Let's get things right now. So, 
verse number um, 14. So they start repairing the temple. They start remodeling it and said, hey, you know what? Let's, let's get the temple back in shape. Verse 14, while they're in the temple, it says, When they had brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a what? Book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Verse 21. It says, Go inquire the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because what? Our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do all after all that is written in the book. Number one, you know, Josiah, he, he sees how wicked Judah is doing and how far gone from God they had gotten because of what? They had stopped keeping God's word. And number one, we ought to need God's word. Recognize that we need God's word. You know, a lot of times why we don't spend time in the Bible and spend time in God's Word, because we don't recognize how much we need it. We don't understand how much we need to delve into God's Word. Josiah, he recognized how much they needed God's Word because of the state they were in. And when he recognized how much they needed God's Word, he did something about it. You know, there's a lot of things that we think we need. Um, one of those things that a lot of people think they need is an emotional support animal. Uh, how many ponies and dogs have we seen on an airplane because someone, I mean, what's going to happen? You get devastated if you don't bring it on the airplane with you and go into depression? I mean, I don't understand. But it's one of those things a lot of people think that they need is an emotional support animal. It's sad when a uh, man thinks dog is his best friend and Jesus is not. Run to something else instead of God. But how many times we, there's something that we think is a need. And it takes priority any time over my spiritual need and the need I have to delve into God's word. And if we would recognize and say, boy, I need God's word. I need to spend time in it. I need to read it. I need to meditate on it. One of the messages that stands out in my mind that Dad preached was the message on meditation. I mean, you guys remember the message on meditating on God's Word. How much we need God's Word to change us. And if we realize the state we're in, no matter how good we're doing, we would take more time to be in God's Word. Oh, we take time for a lot of things because we feel as though we need it. And that's what we want. But if we would realize how much we need, desperately need to get in God's word, and that's what Josiah realized. He said, whoa, look what we're, where Judah's at right now and the sinful condition it is. We need that book that they have just found. No, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says, to desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? To grow. In order to grow spiritually, we need what? God's Word. But Hebrews 5.12, go with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Hebrews chapter number 5 and in verse 12. 
says, For when the time he ought to be teachers, for when the time he ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be what? The first principles of the oracles of God. The, the most basic thing. And are become such as have need of what? Milk. How many of you guys like drinking milk? I like milk and cereal. That's it. <laughs> but milk is what you start with who? A baby, right? A baby doesn't have the teeth or the ability to chew on anything, so it has to drink milk. And he says, and are become as have need of milk and not what? Strong meat. How many of you guys like steak? How many of you guys like steak cooked medium rare? How many of you guys like steak cooked rare with blood coming out, a little cold on the inside? So my grandpa liked it. <laughs> but he says that you have need of milk and not of strong what? Meat. You know what meat is? Meat is getting past the basics of psalms and a couple chapters and a verse and, and something little devotional for me. No, 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 that's milk. Meat is delving into God's word and learning doctrine and learning that which is more, learning how to evangelize and learning more than just the basics of God's word. And he says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are what? Full age. How many guys would feed a steak to your baby? What's going to happen to your baby? It can't take it in, right? He says that it's for those that are full age, even those who by reason of what? Sort of that word. Use. You know how you get skillful in God's word? By what? Use. You don't get skillful in God's word if you're not using God's word. So by reason of use have their what? Senses exercise to discern both good and evil. You know why there's so many people that are deceived doctrinally to believe such blasphemous beliefs or such silly beliefs like mid-tribulation and post-trib and other crazy things. You know why? Because they are what? Their senses haven't been exercised to be able to discern God's word and rightly divide God's word because there hasn't been enough what? What's that word? Use. There hasn't been enough use in God's word. And the more we spend time using God's word, develop a skill and discernment in God's word. But in order to do that, we first have to realize we have a what? A need for it. I need God's word. You know why? Because I can so easily deceive myself into thinking that I'm okay. <laughs> and in my pride to think that I'm fine, I don't need help. But when I get in God's word, guess what? The Holy Spirit uses it to convict me of where I am wrong. But I have to understand that I need God's word. No, babies are always requiring attention, right? Why do babies cry so much? Can they do things by themselves? No, they're babies. There's still a development that has left to come. Babies are whining all the time because there's development and they don't know things yet. You know, same thing spiritually. It's one thing where there is a baby Christian who's been saved a year or two and he, that baby Christian needs more time and, and needs more discipleship and needs more study. But someone who is saved 10, 15, 20 years and is still whining and still takes a lot of care and attention and needs it, what's happened? He's not matured spiritually and growing in God's word. He hasn't developed use and skill in developing more knowledge in God's word. Not only that, go with me back to 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. 
2 Chronicles chapter number 34. It says that when you should be teaching, it talks about the need to be taught still. And Paul could have been, or whoever had wrote, written Hebrews, probably could have been saying, hey, some of you guys have been saved for a long time and should be teaching others and should be discipling others and should be, and it's still a need to be taught. And that's maturity comes through reading God's word. And number two is this. Not only we ought we to need God's word, but we ought to read it. And Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, verse 18, it says, Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book, and Shaphan what? Read it before the king. Now go with me to chapter 20, or verse 29. Verse 29. He read it before the king. The king listens and hears and says, All right. Verse 29. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and Levites and all the people, great and small, he read in the ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And we did. He said, we got the book. It's been missing for a while. Here it is. Read it to me. Now let's read it to everybody. Does this sound like he gathered every person that there was in his kingdom? It says all the people. He gathers them together and says, let's read what God has to tell us in his written word. You know how many times we go through scripture where Christ answered the Pharisees and said, Have ye not read? As if they should have known. Have ye not read that such a... Have ye not read? You guys should know this, is what Christ was saying. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 22. And in verse 29. Matthew 22, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do what? Err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Now it's, it's easy a lot of times to memorize uh, the names of sports players and numbers and names. and uh, There's a lot of things we know. But Jesus says, Ye do err, not knowing the what? Scriptures. John 20, verse 9. Uh, the disciples, when they came into the tomb, the Bible says in that portion that they, they were astonished, they were surprised that Christ was gone because they hadn't read the Scriptures. That's what it says. As if Peter and John shouldn't have been surprised. They should have known if only they had what? Read the Scriptures. How many times do we read Scripture but we don't think about what it's saying. How many times it's easy to read something, read, and then we get distracted, and I'm going to finish reading real quick, and okay, i got to go now. And that time that we needed God's Word, we gulped down eggs and toast, and we got in the car and left, and who knows, I forgot what I read this morning. It's somewhere in Proverbs, I think. I don't remember what today is, so I don't remember what chapter it was either. It's easy to do that sometimes. But, but if we would just say, hey, I need God's word and to be helped. And, and you know, so I'm not always trying to go for counsel and, and trying to figure life out. and trying. If I go to God's word, God's word has all the answers, but I have to find it. 
And sometimes we get too lazy to search the Scriptures. Uh, the Bible says, talking about searching the Scriptures in John 5.39. Go with me to John chapter 5. And in verse 39. Does the Bible have answered everything? Absolutely. It's a timeless book. It's a living word. In John 5, verse 39, it says, Search the what? Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Search the Scriptures. Um, Acts 17.11. How many of you guys remember the church? Berea. They, these were more what the Bible says? Noble because they what? They searched the scriptures to see if such things were so. You know what? They hear God's word preach and they say, huh, I wonder if that's true. And they would search themselves. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes it can be goal, easy to be gullible and believe the wrong thing because we hear something and we don't search the scriptures for ourselves. We ought to just not need the word, but also get involved and read God's word and search the scriptures. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, The study to show thyself what? Approved before who? God. A workman that needeth not to be what? You know why? If we don't study God's word and we don't have an answer to give someone, then it's a shame. The Bible says the study so that there wouldn't be a need to be ashamed. Now I heard of a, a pastor of a small Baptist church that said any Christian that's been saved one to two years should be able to adequately handle an encounter with a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Catholic, Charismatic, or Seventh-day Adventist with the Word of God. So, someone that's only been a Christian one to two years. Now, how many times, how many years has one been saved? And still, we, we, we get stumped with someone that asks a simple doctrinal question. And I don't know, let me go home and look it up. But we have to search the scriptures and, and read and study. Do we really understand that we need God's Word? And do we read it? You know, Josiah did. He said, I don't want you to just read it to me, but I want you to read it to everybody. In fact, go with me to Deuteronomy 4.10. Deuteronomy 4.10. says here, Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them... I will, what did he say? I will make them hear my words. Talk about, oh, we should never force anybody to church. We should never force anybody to be in God's word. We should never force anybody to be spiritual. God says he was going to make them hear his words. It says here, gather me people together and make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may what? Teach their children. I'm thankful I was made to read God's word. You know, as a five, six, seven, eight-year-old, I did not like reading the Bible. <laughs> But I was glad I was forced to do it. You know why we have to make ourselves and force ourselves to delve into Scripture and study God's Word. Uh, go back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Not only should we read God's Word, but also we should heed it. Need it, read it, and heed it. Heed God's Word. You know what heed means? It means to apply the Scriptures. Uh, the word heed means to take note of and to follow through with it. It's not just saying to listen to it or hear it. No, the word heed is talking about to, to listen and to follow through with it. In fact, that's why Psalms 119 verse 60 says, or verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by what? 
taking heed. That's the word he uses. Taking heed there to God's word. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 19. It says, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law, that what did he do? He rent his clothes. The mirror of God's word showed Josiah, was he doing anything wrong yet? In fact, Josiah was probably the, one of the best guys alive at this moment. Most righteous guy is wanting to serve God. He's, he's a godly king. He, he's trying to transform Judah and revive them to believe in God and turn to God. And yet, this king who is acting godly, he hears God's word. And what's he do? He rents his clothes and he sees himself as a wretched man. You know, if we would get in God's word and read it, and not just read it, but he didn't say, you know what? I am a wretched person, and what God's word tells me to do, I ought to obey it. You know, it's easy sometimes to say, well, yep, I'm going to read the Bible, and I read, and I pay attention, but this verse, uh, I'm going to ignore it, I'm going to twist it, or just not read it at all. How many times we hear preaching, or we read God's word, but we don't change? And nothing inside of us is different. You know, what's the purpose of God's word if I'm going to read it and never change? I might as well, it would make no difference for me to throw God's word in the trash if I'm not going to even do anything about it. Oh, what, what about a man that reads the Bible to be saved and does nothing about it, ignores it? What about a Christian who sees what he's supposed to do and change and we do nothing about it? You know, Josiah did. He said, there's going to be change. Go with me to verse 31. Verse number 31, it says, And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform, what's that word? To perform the words of the covenant, which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem, Benjamin, to stand to it. And what happened? They read it, they got it, and then they changed you know what church is for? It is so that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And we're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. The reason we come to church and hear preaching is so that God's word can speak to us and then we change. But then on Thursday, I get up and I read the Bible. God speak to me again. There's something else I need to change. And then Friday, I get up and do the same thing. I read God's word. And then Saturday, the same thing. And then Sunday, the same thing. And then I come to church on Sunday. Hear God's word. I need changed again. Then on Monday, I repeat, read God's word. But you know how many times we can come to church on Sunday? Monday, I forgot to read my Bible. I'll read it tomorrow morning. Or Tuesday, I read a little bit and then go to bed at night. And Wednesday, I get church. When we have to be in God's word, growing as a Christian. You know, Paul told the church of Corinth in, in chapter 3, I can't speak unto you guys as mature adults. I have to speak unto you guys as babes, as babies. You know why? Because they hadn't matured in God's word, and they were constantly needing more help and more teaching instead of getting more of God's Word. You know, if we heed God's word, it would help us to hate sin more. If we heeded God's word, it would help us to do right. If we heeded God's word, it would help us to be the Christians that we ought to be. If we took heed to God's word, it would help us to hate worldliness more. There are a whole lot more things that we would change if we would truly heed to God's 
word. Now go with me to James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1, verse number 22. James chapter number 1, verse number 22. It says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own, what? Selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a, what? Forgetful here. How many times we're guilty of being forgetful hearers? We, we forget what God has spoken to us about instead of meditating on it and changing. And a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the what? Of the work. What's the work? That is God's word being put into practice. Being a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his what? Deed. How many of you want to be blessed in your deed? And what you do, but you ought to be a doer of the word, a doer of the work. This would save pastor a whole lot of counsel time, right? If we would just delve into God's word and say, I need help. And there are some things that I need help and have pastor's counsel, obviously. There's other things that are pretty simple. If we would just say, hey, God's word has an answer for it. And if I would simply read it and learn from it and change, it'll help me. Be doers of the word. Now, here's the conclusion. We're going to finish. Here's proof that we are reading and obeying God's word. Here's the application. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter number 22. Verse number 34. It says, But when the Pharisees has heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence. They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? How easy is it to love your neighbor as yourself? I mean, exactly the way you want it. I'll get myself a Route 44 cherry limeade, but to get my buddy a Route 44 is too expensive, I'll get you a mini. <laughs> you know, how many times, we, to really say I love my neighbor as I love myself, you know what would help us want to be more involved in missions and be more involved in witnessing if we would just simply love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, that's the solution to almost all problems in life. Uh, if I would, you know, how I would cure my division with this brother in church if I love him as I love myself. It would help uh, cure family problems if I love God with all my heart, love my neighbor as myself. It's the greatest commandments. I'd be more willing to be a missionary if I love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself. I'd be less upset about crazy cultural differences in Ecuador if I'd simply love them as I love myself. I would maybe drink chicha, that saliva drink, if I love them as myself. But it, Jesus says that these are the two greatest commandments. And I want to look at some scripture here that links God's word 
with love, the expressing of love. Now go with me to Romans chapter 13. This is proof of whether we are truly in God's word and abiding to God's word. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, uh, thou shalt not covet. If there shall be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, what? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, if there's any other commandment I'm forgetting about, it's all basically this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, what's it say? Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. You know, proof that I'm not in God's word and proof that I don't have love I ought to have when I'm working ill against someone else. I'm not wishing the best for them. But it says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is what? The fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. The law. You know, God is love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Now go with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse number 8. James 2, 8 says, If ye fulfill the royal, what? Law. According to the scripture, thou shalt love thy, what? Neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as what? Transgressors. Loving our neighbor. You know, it's easy sometimes to uh, look at a, a different political party, like you name it, and say, they're a bunch of crazy people. But you know, if I learn to say I love them as myself, it would be a whole lot easier to witness to those people and to pray for them. Sometimes we can see uh, immigrants coming to our country and say, they're invading our country. America's not the way it's supposed to be. Please get them out of here. But if I love my neighbor as myself, I won't talk that way, right? I love them as myself. I'm going to think a little bit different. Uh, we could go situation after situation, and if we would fulfill the royal law and love our neighbor as ourselves. It helped change me. Go with me to Galatians chapter number 5. What else does it say? We could go so many verses, but I'm going to only show you two more. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 14. Galatians chapter number 5, and in verse 14 it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. What is that? Even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You think God's word is pretty serious about loving your neighbor as yourself? <laughs> I mean, I'm only showing you a few verses. You can study this out and see how many times God's word is linked to loving your neighbor as yourself. We're going to show the last one here. 2 John 6. 2 John chapter number 6. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. We claim to have that one, right? Oh, I claim to love God with all my heart. But to love my neighbor as myself... That's a little bit harder. You know, God loved me before I loved him, but my neighbor definitely didn't love me before I loved him. That's easier, a whole lot easier to say I love God than to I love my neighbor as myself. Second John chapter, verse number 6, it says, And this is what? Love. That we walk after his 
commandments. This is the commandment. So, so if we have love, if we love God, we're going to follow God's what? Commandments. That as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. And then we go back to the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as your what? Self. Now, I, you can read, hear about different Greek preachers in Greek and all this, and they talk about how there's different kinds of love in Greek, and uh, storge, and agape, and phileo, and to be honest, I don't speak Greek, so I have no idea. But I do speak English. You know, God does talk about a couple different types of love in his word. I want to see those three real quick. First one is the love of God, First John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 13. Or, uh, sorry, verse number 1. The love of God. 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. In order to have the love of God, you've got to be saved. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and what? Keep his Commandments. For this is the love of God. What's the love of God? That we keep His commandments. You know, if we love God and we have the love of God in me, then I'm going to what? Keep His commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my... Even Christ said that. If you love me, keep my commandments. And what's it say here? And His commandments are not what? You know, it's a wonder sometimes those that see, ah, the Christian life is all about rules, and ah, the Bible says so many things I have to do, and ah, I have to do this, and I have to obey this. Do we have the love of God or not? When we look at everything in the Bible as rules and have to and have to can't do this, and I won't, ah, and I wish I could do this, but the Bible supposedly says I can't. And when we look at it that way, do we really have the love of God? And the only way we can have the love of God is through salvation. The love of God is a love that is for God and a love in me that comes from God. You can study that out in the Bible. But the love of God. You know, if we have, if we have the love of God, it'll help us have a love for the lost. You know, Christ, you know why Christ reached out to the Samaritan lady and the disciples were scratching their heads and said, What? Why are you going through Samaria? You know why? Because Jesus loved her. You know why Jesus reached out to Zacchaeus, the publican? The tax collector that everybody hated. In fact, he admitted he had stolen from people. Because Jesus loved him. You know why Jesus forgave the woman in adultery that was about to be stoned and said, He that is a stone without sin cast the first stone? Because Jesus what? He loved her. Luke chapter 15. They said, He eats with sinners. You know why? Because Jesus loved them. And if we have the love of God, it'll give us a love for souls. The other love is 1 John chapter number 3. And in verse number 14, if you go to me, 1 John 3, 14, it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the what? The brethren. He that loveth not his brother, brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a what? A murderer. Oh, this brotherly love. The Bible says in Hebrews, let brotherly love continue. We have to show love toward our brother that we even don't like. But brotherly love. And the third love is this. Go to me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Verse number 4. Fulfilling the law of God, Scripture is what? Loving 
God with all your heart, but also loving your what? Neighbor as yourself. It says here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Verse number 8. Charity never what? Faileth. You know what softens someone's heart? When you show them what? Charity. You know what charity is? Charity is biblical love. 3 John 5-6 through talked about how he, the, the person that church had showed charity... Not just to the brothers, but also to the strangers. And you know what? Our love and charity isn't just for our brothers in Christ, but it's for the lost around us. It's for the strangers. And if we love God's word, then we're going to love our neighbors ourselves. It'll help us. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and then verse number 5. Now the end of the commandment is what? Charity. The beginning is is love and the end is also what? Charity. Out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Go with me to Psalm 119. We're going to finish with this verse. Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119, verse number 97. Says here, oh how I, how oh how love I thy what law? It is my meditation for how long? All the day, boy. It's easy to meditate on so many other things throughout the day, but David said here, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse number one hundred one. It says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy what word. You know why he, he's able to refrain his feet from sin? Because he's kept God's word. Verse number 162. Verse number 162 says, I rejoice at thy what? Word. As one that findeth great spoil. He says, I'm spoiled because I have God's word. Verse 63. I lost my place here. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Great peace have they which love thy law. And what? Nothing shall offend them. How many times we sometimes get easily offended about things in life? A brother offends me. A friend offends me. A family member offends me. Something that is said about me, I heard from someone else offends me. But if I love God's law, and I realize how much I need it, and there are so many people around the world who don't even have God's word translated in their language. And if they do, they're trying to revise it and revise it and revise it to get it as perfect as it can. And yet we have God's perfect word, but are we delving in God's word? Are we studying it? Are we searching it? And you know what's proof of? Our love toward our neighbor. Do I love God with all my heart? If I love God, then I'm going to read his word. I'm going to love his word. And if I love his word, I'm going to love who? My neighbor as myself. Do we see God's word as important? Do we search it every day? And how is our love tonight? How is our charity to those around us? Let's pray. God, would you please help us to change when there is needed a change in my life, in our lives, God, when there's some